Welcome to Meg Talks, the Move with Meg podcast. I'm Megan Kerrigan, and I'll be sharing ideas on how you can become a more consistent and confident dancer that understands your body and mind. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of Meg Talks. Today, I have a special guest, Connor Rogers, with me here. Luckily, I had a little bio, so it was easy enough for me to try and work out enough about you, Connor. Um, but Connor is from Donegal. He is has many championship titles under his belt, including the Ulsters, the Irish Nationals, British Nationals, the North American Nationals, all Scotland's Great Britons, and of course, yes, the World Championships as well. He has toured with a couple of different companies. I've actually been lucky enough to hire Connor myself. And seeing his professionalism from that side, which is interesting. Got an insight there for you. No, very professional. And um, he's also lead dancer in Lord of the Dance and a qualified physiotherapist. So a bit of a mouthful there to try and say all that. And how old are you, Connor? I am 26. All, all of that before the age of 26. Most people don't achieve all of that in a lifetime or some of that in a lifetime. So... He's going to have a lot of information for you guys. I think he'll probably be able to touch upon a lot of different people's journeys and stories that are listening. And I think it's a good one as well for the boys. It's nice to have. I think you are you my first male guest. I think you're my first male guest. So nice one. welcome. We're going to sort of suck as much information out of you as we can so that we can all learn and become better at Meg Talks. So welcome. And Thank you. tell us a little bit about your journey then. So you started dancing when you were three years old. Talk us through three years old to being a world champion. <laughs> How long have we got? Yes, um, quite a journey, yeah. Um, yeah, so I started when I was three. Um, my mom used to help out teaching in Letterkenny, like not far from where I live. So started there and then I was only dancing there for about a year and a half or so. And I think mom realized that I could be like quite good. And she thought the best thing then would be to move to Derry. So that's when I started with Rosetta. Um, as an economy school as it was then, it's now MCBDA. Um, so yeah, I danced there for most of my career. I took a break, I think around 10 or 11. I like stopped dancing for like half a year. Um, just like, well, playing football and other things. Um, I just kind of fell out of love with dancing for a while. So I took a break for, I think, nearly a year. But then I think the good thing of that was, like, mom didn't force me to go back. Um, my sister actually went back dancing. And then, like, from being in around the class again, I kind of wanted to go back. That's good. But, yeah, it's a journey. Um, yeah, very enjoyable. Obviously, there's loads of ups and downs. <laughs> like, um, many people's journeys. Like, I think anyone that dads, you're not going to avoid disappointment. There's going to be lots of disappointment. Um Throughout your dancing career, but like as I say, loads of highs and lows. Um, got to meet loads of new people, and then like different challenges. I suppose it was different dancing in school than like when I was dancing in college. I had a whole different set of challenges. Yeah. Um, to deal with. Um, but no, overall, I don't think I would change anything. That's so. I love the fact that you you had that that little break. I think that's really interesting. What do you think was the driving force? Just being interested in so many other things. And dancing, trying to take up too much of your time, or what do you think that that falling yeah. was? Um, yeah, I think it was mostly like I was playing a lot of football, playing a lot of Gaelic. Um, at the time, like it was it was it would could take up a lot of my time as well. Like I could have been playing football Gaelic for like five nights a week, but obviously I wasn't. Yeah, and like it was a case I was looking forward to going to football, but then mom would be like, "Right, come on, we're getting in the car to go to dancing," and I just didn't want to. Yeah. Um, so like before I stopped, there was like me and mum would be like fighting, falling out. Yeah. Being like, no, no I don't want to go and like going. Um, I think at the time as well, there, a few of the boys had just left the dancing class. So like, I think I was the only boy, you know, like 10, 11, you're kind of that awkward age where like, you're not really chatting to the girls because you feel awkward and things yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, I was like not boring in class like I was still going in dancing and working but like it just wasn't as fun as like going down and playing football and stuff yeah so then I think after I don't know four or five months of that mom was just like right you can stop it or whatever obviously she didn't want me to but I think I probably I don't know if I'd be here now if I didn't stop then like if I just had done another year and still hated it and then like going into secondary school and stuff and still not dancing whereas I think at that time, it was a good time to have that break just the way it worked out. Yeah, and sometimes I think when you do have a break from things, 
you realize that you do actually like it. Like sometimes you actually just need a bit of time out. And I think as well, what you said that was really important. And I think parents listening should take heed of that. Like I had this conversation with a boy's parent who's about the same age as you were. He's, he'll be 12 this year. And the same thing, it's like, he just isn't as interested anymore. And I said, let him stop, let him stop. And then you'll, he'll realize if he likes it or not. And if he misses it or not. And I think that's a really hard thing for a parent to do because especially like you said, your mom really didn't want you to stop because she loved it. And your sister was going anyway. It probably made life easier if you carried on. Yeah, definitely. And I think at that age as well, like 12 now, like for that case, for example, like if he stops now and realizes he misses it or whatever, whereas like if he's still forced to go for another couple of years and then when, you know, like when you're getting into secondary school and stuff, there's a whole different set of things. Then when there's like teenage discos and stuff happening and it's like, they don't want to dance anyway and then they're missing them things. Like it's just going to be a never ending battle kind of. Yeah. And it's not worth it, is it? If the, the whole point we dance is, is because it's a hobby and we enjoy it. And then add in the pressure and if you don't like it and then there's pressure and then you're trying to work hard, it just doesn't work. If you don't want to, if you don't want to work, you're not going to do it basically. And if you're not enjoying it. Yeah, 100%. So there's a tip for all the parents. There you go. Yeah, let them stop if they want to and they'll go back to it. I did, I mean, very different. I started when I was like four and I stopped straight away as well because the teacher shouted too much. And then uh, at <laughs> like seven, like randomly. Oh, really? Like given up hope completely. And at seven, someone at school had started or one of my friends had started and I was like, can I go dancing again? Um, so similar thing, it's like letting letting your dancer find their own sort of enjoyment and choice basically in the matter. Yeah, because like if you don't enjoy it, you're never going to put in enough work yeah. to like get where you want to. So it's kind of pointless if you're not enjoying this. And the other thing is to say, uh, we don't, don't yeah. say that lightly either. Like there's going to be times where I didn't want to go to dancing and my mom had to make me. And I was glad then when I got there. But yeah. so there's like, there is that little element. It's like not being bothered is one thing, but like actually not wanting it is like, a different thing. Yeah. If you just don't feel like it today, obviously don't hang yeah. up the shoes just yet. Exactly, yeah. So that little break was kind of about qualifying age for the World Championship. Did you qualify and go to the World every year or what was that like for you? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think back now. It's that long ago. Um, it must have been after, I must have been 12 now that I'm thinking on it because I did my first two worlds. Right. Um, so I, what, what are you, 10, 11 now when yeah. you go to your first world? Yeah. Yeah, so I got third of my first two worlds. Right. Um, and obviously that, like, training every day for six, seven nights a week. Um, and then that's kind of when I fell out of love with it when I was just doing so much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I stopped then for like nearly a year, um, before going back to it. So like, by the time I had done that, like I had missed the Ulster. So like I was missing another world, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then do you feel like that year, did you fall backwards at all in that space where you, where you left and came back or did it actually in a weird way propel you forwards more? Um, to be honest, I didn't notice much because... Um, when I went back, obviously we missing the words and stuff. Like I had time yeah. to like get back into dancing. It wasn't as if I went back to dancing and then was straight out competing like two months later. Yeah. Makes- um, so I had enough time to like cover that difference, even if I don't know if I was better or worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard. You'd have to ask the teachers and mum, I suppose. But, um, yeah, no, I didn't notice. I did have that time, which I suppose was another good thing. Yeah. And sometimes, and I don't know if you would agree with this or can remember, but I talk to dancers sometimes like this, if they're injured. Or if they've moved schools and they've got a ban or if there's just been a school closure and they've got time where they can't compete. That's actually such valuable time. And six months in the grand scheme of things isn't very long. When you say six months to someone, it feels like it's a really long time. But the amount you can actually strip things back, go back to basics and work on individual things in six months can make you actually sort of propel and be better in the time. I suppose um, I was kind of asking, do you feel like having the pressure of the world's taken off you that year was probably a good thing in the long run, like you said? Yeah. Um, yeah, as you say there, like, I think when you have that time off that, you know, sometimes if you're dancing uh, every week, but then you're like going to a face every weekend, you don't really have time to like, should it be if you wanted to change something specific, like change steps or whatever, or if you wanted to like do a new set dance or 
like working like individual technique or whatever. You never really have time. Like you go in, if you're dancing like three or four nights of the week and then dancing the weekend, you're going in and you're just running through your stuff. Like obviously you're still working, you're practicing, but you don't have time to like strip it back, as you say. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that time is so useful. And then like, if you're not dancing, you also have more like, or sorry, if you're not competing, you have like that weekend that you could go in and spend like three hours in the studio and do whatever you want when like everyone else is away. Yeah. Like I think, um, kind of moving forward, um, like a couple of my last words, cause you know, like you're dancing near the end, like my favorite time going up to them words was like, cause all the young ones had left and like oh. ever, no one was in the class and like Rosetta would give me the keys to the studio. So I can literally go in and do whatever, like, and that was like the most important thing. Cause it was like the week before I'm dancing or like the week of I'm dancing. Yeah. So like you go in and spend two, three hours then like obviously you're not um, busting yourself like a few days before you dance, but just having that time by yourself to fix. Because there's always wee bits, especially as you get older, you know, there's wee bits that you need to do yourself. Yeah. Um. So to have that time, I think was really important. Yeah, that's cool. And I suppose talking then a little bit more about that journey yeah. then. So third, first two years of the world, then you missed a year. How was the next part of your journey and what age were you then when you did win? when you did reach that? Yeah, so I had, I was every position on the podium actually before winning. Um, yeah, I got fourth twice. I think I got fifth twice and second once. Yeah, the year before I won. Um, so I was 21 when I won it. I was like, I had a fair idea going into the world. It was going to be my last world because I was finishing up college and stuff anyway. Um, but yeah, I was 21 when I won it in Greensboro in 2019. Oh my God. So it, it's nice in a way because you finished on that and also you'd been all those places on the podium, but th that there was something still to reach for all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, I suppose there's always something to work for. Um, but yeah, for me, that was always the goal. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, as I say, along the way, there was disappointments and like times you might have thought you were higher. I think everyone's the same. There's always times you think should get better and stuff, but I think that's part and parcel of dancing and like competitive Irish dancing. That's just the way it is. So you just have to keep working, I suppose. And it's those times that make the good times like even better, don't they? Like if you just won and you won every year, and I know that that's difficult and tough and a whole different conversation, there is a new sense of achievement. But when you've hit a low or you've come back from a disappointment, I feel like there's such a deeper sort of, happiness then when you do reach a goal that you've set yeah definitely I think I suppose as you get older as well you feel it more as in like I felt it for like my mom and dad as well because obviously since I was three and they put like so much time and effort and money and everything else in it so like in a way like I was doing it for them as well yeah um because there's actually really good photos of what I want it's like more of my mom than anything obviously being so happy um and then like the year before I won the world so I got second in the world but like that whole year I won like every major I danced but obviously main everyone's main goal is the world so then getting second in the world was obviously tough and then I was 20 then so like it was a decision then like the couple of weeks after the words and debating like would I go back and do another year because I was going into my final year of college and stuff yeah um so yeah I know it did mix winning the world and they end up very special yeah yeah that's cool and then so you've mentioned you were in college then at that period of time where you won final year in college and that year of working to win the world is like two of the hardest years of your life, most likely, or two of the hardest years of your life put into one year, basically. How did you manage? How did you do all of that? <laughs> yeah, it was tough, to be fair, because um, my college was in Belfast and obviously classes in Derry. So I would have been, my college was like Monday to Thursday evening, so I would have come down on a Wednesday evening. Um, to the class in Derry and then obviously danced all over the weekend. I and Olivia Murray was dancing with Rosetta at the time as well. She was in college in Belfast, so like we were able to share lifts and stuff. But yeah, it was tough. Like I was living with my friend and his mom and I was actually practicing in their garage for like most of the week. But um, yeah, like college is tough uh, anyway, especially when like everyone else is going out. Like there'd be times that I'd go out and not drink. And then like cause physio, I obviously had to do placement. So like some of the time when I was like in college, I would actually be in the hospital. Yeah. So like I remember one British Nationals obviously during the summer and I was doing a placement, but I was working like nine to five in the hospital. I think it was an ICU at the time. Like, so it's tough going on in itself. Um, and then just getting home in the evening being wrecked and like barely having any time to practice or no energy to practice. And I remember like getting a text the week before being like, oh, you need to go to the British Nationals. And I hadn't danced in like two and a half weeks. Um, 
but just having to go and do it. And like, thankfully, you know, when you're kind of taking over that you're dancing that much anyway, like you don't lose a lot in two and a half weeks. Um, but I remember that being like the toughest, like if you said that to me like five years ago that you were going to go to a major, but not actually have put on your shoes for like two and a half, three weeks, you'd be like, you're mad. But so you just like kind of adapting and like sometimes you just have to do things like that. And do you think dancing and doing your other sports and other things helped you for uni and or college and sort of managing your time and stuff like that? Or how do you think you had the tools to be able to know how to do all of that? Yeah, I think dancing is really good for like so many things across lifestyle in general. Like, as you say, time management and like organization and dedication and work and everything else, like it all plays a part in everything. So it would be a case of like me figuring out when I was going to the library, like if I'd stayed in the library longer than a Tuesday, it meant that I was leaving early on a Wednesday to go down for class and stuff. So it's like wee things like that. Um, But no, definitely. Yeah, I talk to dancers about that all the time, like especially when you hit that age of, like, let's say, sixth form or college or sort of those later years where you have a bit more free time and you're being trusted to do the work on your own, it's actually using the time. Like, I remember all of my free periods in sixth form, I'd go to the library and do all of my homework. And my friends would be <laughs> going to McDonald's or going to the park or going to sunbathe. But I'd always be going to the library and they'd be like, come on, just one day, was just one day. But it meant that, I had a little bit of me time after school before I go to dancing. So it's like, where's you? It's, I suppose it's choosing your priorities and knowing that I'll have all the time with my friends anyway in my classes and in other things and just prioritizing getting that work done. So I had other time. So I think, yeah, dancing does definitely teach you that. And it's sort of just naturally there when you, I suppose when it's your priority, when you want to achieve something. When you're determined, that sort of choice is naturally made already for you, isn't it? Yeah, as you say, it's all about priorities and like finding the wee ways that you can adapt your own schedule. Yeah. Should it be like in college or secondary school or uh, primary school, whatever you're in, just of like ways of adapting and making your life easier that you can get the dancing done. But then I think having like free time to yourself is also a big one. Like cause you, there's times a week might go by that like you were in secondary school and went straight from school to dancing and then like get home like late at night or whatever and if you didn't have your homework done you're doing homework and going straight to bed or like getting up in the morning like I remember doing like homework in the bathroom of school in some mornings just because like I wasn't as organized that week or whatever happened and then like I was driving all evening going to class and then coming back at like 11 o'clock at night being like I'm not doing homework now and then having to do it like getting people's copy books in the bathrooms and toilet and bloody oh, doing homework was I am <laughs> Hey. I'm calling your school and letting them know that. <laughs> oh, they knew, I think. <laughs> like, the amount of times that I'd be, like, giving in letters, like, mum would send me a letter to, like, miss my last class. It was actually my auntie-in-law that was, like, one of my teachers. Um, And it was always on, like, a Tuesday evening when I'd be going to class earlier or whatever. And, like, ever, I think I was in that class maybe, like, five times across the year. But that's another story. I had, I still have, like, a regular dream about, I had a Friday let's say, I think it was like Friday last period, but it was a double period of geography. And I remember like, I hardly went to it because we were either traveling to a fair or traveling to something. So it was like consistently missing it. And I still have dreams now about like, not knowing the things that I need to know about geography. I mean, that was years ago. It's crazy. Um, but we're here to tell the tale. Do you think that you believed the whole time that you could reach that goal of winning the world? Or do you feel like there was a point where you sort of thought, oh, I, I can actually do this? Or was that always with you, do you think? Um, I'd say it was always with me to a certain extent. Like, as I say, when I started dancing, um, I think I won my first major when I was like five. I won the All Scotland when I was five, like dancing, I think maybe under eight or something. So like, obviously winning was always like, not a priority, but it was always like a main goal. So like, I was always in like, top three kind of, going across as long as I danced um and then the two other main um dancers like in Ireland anyway was um Jack Quinn and Jordan McCormick so we were always kind of top three um I think Jordan won the first world and then after that Jack won and as you know like Jack was unbelievable uh, I think he won nearly all of them like until oh, he won all of them until he finished winning was always like the goal but like dancing against Jack like I remember actually having conversations with him and so he just like so good you know what I mean so it was like he was like, in my opinion, one of the best dancers that I had seen. So I'm like, it's obviously going to be very tough to like beat him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, like across that, it was always like 
you were never going to st- think at all, like, well, this is done. Like, there's no point. Like, you always still have to, like, um, try or whatever. Yeah. So, no, like, I would say it always was a main goal and I genuinely, like, thought I could win it. Um, I don't think there's a point going if you don't believe, like, you can reach your goal. Like, there's no real point going because, like, beliefs and mindset of thinking that's so important. Mm-hmm. Like, going to a stage if you're getting upside stage and, like, in your head, doubting if you've done the work or doubting if you're good enough and all, it all affects your performance and, like, none of that's going to affect your performance in a good way. Yeah. And we talk, we talk about that a lot with dancers in that you have to believe that you can do it, even if it's a bit of an outrageous belief right now. Like, I went to my first world. I, I didn't believe that I could win a world. I didn't even have it as a goal until one year I kind of flew. Well, I just don't think I knew how good I actually was. And one year I kind of like came second after being eighth or seventh, which obviously is amazing. But when you're 10 and 11, I don't think... Well, I didn't have a grasp of like actually how that good that was. Um, so then I came second one year and I was like, oh, like I was six points away from winning. That was my moment of like, I can actually, I could actually have been there like a couple more points and I could have been there. That was a little moment for me. And I know I spoke to Lauren Clark a couple of weeks ago and she sort of didn't ever believe that she'd be any good. And then when she did have that moment of, oh, I can do this. So some like it's weird for some people they kind of always have it, and then for others they sort of find it at some point along the way. I think another way to look at it as well is the opposite. I think um, especially for girls, maybe this is harder as well. Like they they may start younger and be winning at a young age because they've got this natural talent. They work really hard, and then they might have been winning for all their years until they're ten, eleven, and then they start going downwards but it's not actually going downwards it's that other people that you were ahead of are either catching up or there's growth and I suppose we can talk about that a little bit more when we're talking about the physio side of things but um managing that mindset as well like well I used to win and now I don't win and sort of readapting your goals I think is really important um especially for a lot of young dancers with how athletic dancing is now and how much the muscles develop sort of before that growth period. Um, one of my questions is about why physio, but we'll get that into that in a minute because I feel like I'm down a hole now. What do you think in terms of like what I said, what should dancers be doing from a young age to be able to maintain, I suppose, that strength before growth, during growth and after growth? Sorry, I know I've like curveballed you there. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, yeah, well, I think that's one of the main differences in like when I was dancing or maybe when you were dancing and like now that when I was finishing dancing, there was like PT starting to come in for dancing and like now there's like PTs everywhere and there's such an emphasis on like strength and condition, which is obviously very important. I think people didn't realize that before. So I think that strength and conditioning automatically starts helping that anyway um because like if you're looking from the outside world and you see like a 10 year old girl in strength and conditioning classes that you don't know she's a dad so you'd be obviously so confused um but yeah i think it's fine like doing all that strength and conditioning so good and then the the only time really that i struggled was like say around that age of i know 12 13 or maybe before that like i was quite short until then um, and it is hard, like, obviously to minimize that, like doing all the strength and conditions really good. But there was probably, you know, point saying there wasn't four or five months when I was growing that like mum kind of says is like, I needed to find my legs. Because obviously if you're used to being four foot, whatever, then you're five foot something like it obviously is a big change. And like your body just needs time to adapt and like there's no point trying to force it or trying to do other things. That's just people's bodies. You know what I mean? As they say, the strength part of it's so important and it will help. But if you grow a foot in a year, like you're going to need time to adapt to that, you know? It is a mad one. And people's bodies are so, yeah, you get so used to it. And, and a gradual growth for some people is fine. This is when we see sort of like those niggly injuries and stuff coming in as well, isn't it? And sort of knowing the difference between, I think this is an important conversation that I kind of have with a lot of people where, They've got like oscoslatus or plantar fasciitis or shin splints or these things that are, are they injuries? Would you call them injuries or what would you say they are? Yeah, they would kind of be defined as injuries, yeah. yeah. So I kind of, and this is my way of looking at it, that's like a niggle. If you manage it, you can still dance kind of thing. That's, is that, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, here's me, I'm like second guessing myself now <laughs> that you're there. Um, 
And then you've got obviously your actual injuries where like you break a foot or you, te- you tear a ligament or you sprain an ankle where like you actually can't dance for that period. And I think dancers need to understand the value of doing the work before the niggle comes to prevent the niggle or to minimize the niggle being those things that we sort of spoke about. Um, do you feel like, do you think within your experience or your knowledge or your um, sort of physio that you can minimize those to a good degree or do you think it's a lot more management work? Are they still going to come if there's like that big growth spurt? Uh, I think there's a bit of both. Um, as I say, the strength and conditioning, it'll always help. Do you know what I mean? Um, because to say if you get Oscar slatters, the a lot of the management and recovery for that will be like obviously taken a bit back from the dance and like impact stuff stopping. But then like the main treatment is strength training. Do you know what I mean? Um, and like uh, quad strength training. So obviously if you're doing that and you have a good base, like it's uh, going to be a lot easier. Um, but as I say, like sometimes these things just happen, like you could have really, really strong quads, but if you grow a foot, as they say, in a short period of time, it might happen, especially with like, if you think about like running in general would cause that. But if you think about how much more impact you're putting through your legs, if you're doing a jump or a birdie and landing on one leg and like having to push off that leg, um, there's just so much impact, you know what I mean? Um, so I'd say it's like a bit of both that like strength training will be so good for it because that means like your base is already so much higher than it would have been if it does happen. Um, so you're basically just setting yourself up that if something does happen, you're just already so much further along than you could be. Yeah. And I think that's that's a key thing, isn't it? And and dancers like not panicking, worrying when these things happen. Everybody goes through them. Like I think I had every single one of those things that I mentioned um, at one point or another. And some of them feel like, I remember when I had plantar fasciitis, I genuinely thought I was going to have to have my foot amputated. Like the feeling in the heel and I could dance. This was the worst part. I could dance, but I couldn't walk. So like once, the, once it was warm, once the area was warm, I was fine when I was dancing. And I danced, I danced at One All Islands. And I remember I, I kind of hobbled on the stage, pointed my toe and then danced like normal. And then nearly, and I fell down the stairs on the way off because I couldn't even put weight on my foot. And my teachers just thought I was like, you know, causing a scene, didn't didn't understand that like, no, I physically cannot walk, but when I'm warm, I'm fine. So I think there's a lot better understanding conversation around all these things. Like in the Gold Club, you've done videos for us on some of the main sort of those main injuries, niggles of exercises that you can do, explaining them as well. So people can sort of self-diagnose to an extent. Yeah, I think... um... A lot of the time with dancing as well, I think I've actually said this in one of my videos that like things like pander or pander fasciitis and stuff, it, um, as dancers, we're very programmed to like try to get through the pain and stuff like that. Whereas like in any other sport, if you look at it, like a football or even at the top level, it's like they have the smallest niggle. They might not even play a full game because they don't want to risk it. Whereas like you say, you'd be hobbling on the stage or hobbling in the class and like you and your head are going, no, no, I'll be fine. And you're probably getting told as well. I don't know, like you'll be fine. Just get through it or whatever. I don't think. In many other sports, you would see, like, because I was the same myself, like, dancing through injuries. I, like, I think that's one of the main points I think I've said in a couple of the videos is, like, because we're so programmed like that and dancers, depending on the injury, like, it can just make it so much worse. Like, obviously, before I have the background that I have now, I had, like, a niggle in my hamstring. <laughs> Completely ignored it. Just went to dancing for another, like, two weeks and I ended up having, like, a grade three tear in my hamstring and then I'm out for six weeks and you're, like, if you just had a known to, like, do the strength work and like stop dancing for a couple of weeks it would have been fine and like it is preventable it's just like knowing that line of because obviously everyone gets niggles no matter where you are you've got to have a wee niggle here and there like and it's not when you can push through that and when it's not serious and then when you're actually going to do damage or more damage to your body yeah and i i've worked with a lot of dancers where they they we do weekly one-to-ones and they'll come to me and say meg the side of my legs hurting here a little bit i couldn't even swing my leg last night and we'll spend a little bit of time either rolling or stretching certain areas. And we find that somewhere is crazy tight. And then the movement or the pain or that restriction is coming from that. And we loosen it out and it's gone. So like having the the knowledge or the person to go to or that sort of, like you say, understanding of, am I injured? Am I tight? Is there something I can be doing? Should I stop? It's all quite a blurred scene. And you have to know your own body and be confident in sort of, saying as well I think that's where it's hard because dancers are young as like let's say 
from um, under nine, say, where people are starting to sort of have injuries, a parent being able to say, okay, now I know she's really hurting or she's just a little bit sore or she's overused that is such a really, it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's difficult to know in adults, never mind. Yeah, that's it. I think it's knowing your own kid as well. I suppose like no one will know them better than themselves, but then their parents. Because I don't know about you, but like across the years, um, like I've danced, I don't know, many hundreds of dancers. Um, but you know, there is ones that in general, like you'd be like, are they really sore? And like yeah. they'd have a different injury every week. So there is that as well. And like, say that person's parents, every time they're sore, going to physio or whatever, like it's, it's like a ongoing cycle or a never ending <laughs> cycle rather. So it is that fine line of like, no, when they're actually in pain and stuff. Um, and just like communication, yeah. um, to know when they actually are sore and when something needs done about it. Or like if some, like some days I, you could go into class and you might, might just have a random pain in your glute, for example, um, get through the class, but then the next day it's fine. Do you know what I mean? So there's no point panicking. Like every time you have a pain as well, there's no point like panicking. It's like the end of the world. I'm going to have to stop dancing for three weeks now. Like people, you just do get in pain sometimes, especially when you're doing the amount of work and exerting as much um, out of your body as dancers do. Yeah. If I if I panicked every time I got a pain right now, I'd be I'd be panicked twenty four seven. So why why did you choose physio? Was that linked to dancing and sort of your like? Did you carry on football and things as well, or did you choose physio for other reasons? What was the choice there? Yeah, it kind of was. It was all linked. Um, I was always interested in like sport, um, and then as I like followed along football and dancing with my own injuries and stuff I was always like really interested in like the rehab and then like the prevention of injuries so that like hamstring injury I'm talking about I think that happened when I was maybe like 15 or 16 um and then like I remember going to one of the physios in Letterkenny he was actually physio for the Irish Athletics at the time so he's really good and like even the machines and stuff in there like some of the technology now for physios unbelievable some of the stuff he had in there for like Nordic curls and like um, force measurement and stuff. Um, so like good in the whole process of how like he diagnosed me with a grade three strain. And then like, because it was a long rehab process, like it was six weeks, which at that age, like is it long? you think six weeks is so long, like to not even be dancing. Like I remember the first exercise he gave me was like bringing my heel to my bum, like just standing there, bring it. And like, this is from like two days before me going into class and pain and like doing doubles and like everything else that you'd be doing. I think that's like when I kind of started understanding the whole like resting, but like strength training at the same time. So like an injury like that's never going to get better to where I needed to get to without like actual rehab as well. Like sometimes resting isn't just like by itself isn't going to cut it. So um yeah, from then I was kind of interested in it and then looked into it because obviously that is that I'm figuring out like where I'm going to go to uni and stuff. Mm-hmm. So then... I was able to go to uni in Belfast as well, which um, is like quite handy for me. It's like an hour and a half away from home. So yeah, no, I was always kind of interested in, like before that in sports and then from then more specifically into physio. Yeah. And then now like it's obviously still beneficial. Like when I'm dancing on tour, obviously, as you know, tour, like we're all older than like people competing. So like there is a lot more injuries and there's a lot more people struggling. So it's good to like have the knowledge and the background in it to like know what to do. Like my hamstring still gives me trouble. Like is in a lot of the dances, you know, like we'd be doing like loads of clicks and stuff. And it is quite sore in your hamstring sometimes. Like if you're doing that three or four times a week, like in dancing, um, backline in between or whatever. Yeah. It is. So like just to know the things to do to like keep myself taking over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's really important. Yeah. That's interesting. I just, I didn't know that. I was like, what, why physio? Did you sort of like throughout your course naturally like link everything to dancing? Did that sort of naturally happen in your head or? Uh, yeah, because like I was always going to physio. Oh, well, like it was like sports massage therapist at the time, like from say I was 16, like through till I finished dancing, like maybe one, two weeks or whatever, just to like keep my body um listened out and stuff. So then like there'd be times in college that like they might explain something and then you'd like always think it back to yourself or like something you've seen or whatever. And like, Especially like, you know, we would do like ATFL injuries. So like an ankle sprain, like your typical ankle sprain, you'd see someone, you've seen it probably 10, 20 times in class, some per person like jumps and then comes down yeah. over the top of their ankle. Um, and just seeing how like that whole thing works and like the recovery process of it and everything else, 
you always kind of like go back to thinking, have you seen that injury? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like a lot of them common ones you would have seen like either through football or through dancing. Over and over again. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you, so big question, if you could choose one thing that you know now with all of your sort of physio knowledge that you wish you knew when you competed, what would it be? Just one thing. That's a hard question. One thing, yeah. Um, kind of what I was saying before, I suppose, if I knew one thing, it would be like not to push yourself through pain that's going to make you worse. Because I think so many dancers have done that over the years. Like, it's so so much easier to a certain extent. Like, if you go over your ankle and you're crying in pain, everyone knows you're not going to be able to dance and everyone will be like, right, sit up there, we'll get ice or whatever. <laughs> Whereas like injuries, like muscular injuries that are so common in dancing as well, they're not like treated the same as in people don't know like the damage that it will cause. So like say for my hamstring injury, for example, but it's like the same pretty much across every muscle across your body. If you have a strain in it and you don't like take the pressure off as in like mm-hmm. take the load off, like reduce the dancing level and increase the strength training, it's probably going to get worse. Like it's definitely not going to get better if you have yeah. a strain and you're just comp- um, continuously just going over and over. So I would say that'd be the most important thing is like rest and strength training sometimes for muscle injuries is so important. Yeah, and I suppose like the, the key to that is taking a week now is better than taking six weeks in two weeks' time just for the sake of getting through this class or getting through that fesh or getting through yeah, it's like, holds even. Well, that's it, yeah. Like, nothing's that important that, like, I see, you, like, say, a fesh coming up, like, three weeks before the world and, like, everyone in your school is going and your teacher said, like, you have to go, but do you think that you're going to do damage? And, like, I'd rather miss that fesh than miss the world, you know what I mean? Or either, like... Realistically, you probably because it's dancing, you wouldn't miss the world. You would do that fish, yeah. still be sore, and you go into the world with like loads of painkillers and stuff. But like when your muscles like strained, you don't have the same output from the muscle. So like you might get through pain wise because like adrenaline and everything else um of the words, but like you're not gonna have the same performance. Yeah, and I think that's a really big important one as well. It's like, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it to go and be your best, or are you doing it to just go and say I danced at the world? Because if you know you're injured, you can't dance your best. And what, so what, so what's the reason? If you can sit and tell me that the reason is I definitely want to do it just because I want to say I did it and you're not going to be disappointed or upset with your performance and your results and maybe not getting a recall or not getting where you usually get, then that's mm-hmm. fine, but I don't know any dancers that would agree. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't know many that would um go and not care about the result and like no one, I don't think no matter what they say, like you're not going to the world just to say, you step in the world like maybe the first time and like that you really want to like dance the world and like say you've competed the world but after that then like you're going to try to do your best and perform your best exactly. so, yeah it's just knowing knowing your own body and like knowing its limitations and sometimes as well like it's so easy to get caught up if you're in a class of 40 people it's so easy to be like oh like i'll just don't want to make a scene or whatever what would you say then talking a little bit about the show was lead in Lord of the Dance always a part of your plan? Something you thought, oh, I'd like to do that? Something that was in your sights? Or did that kind of just all naturally happen without too much thought? Like from joining the show, no. Like obviously when, like as a boy, I mean, you're younger, you're watching videos of Michael Flatley and you're like, oh, you'd love to do that sometime. Um, And then I joined the show just after college. But like I wasn't really in the show long until like it was mentioned. Like when I joined, obviously... When you're doing a big show like that, you're just keeping your head down, trying to like learn all the dances. Um, make sure you're not, yeah, make sure you're not standing out for the end reason. Um, but then I think a couple, two or three months in, then it was kind of mentioned to me about like starting to train for it and stuff. Um, so from then, obviously, then it was a goal. Um, there was a lot to work towards. There was a lot like of practice and different things that I wasn't used to. Like I had done shows before, so like using my arms and stuff was like grand that was one thing but then like trying to do that role when it's like not just using your arms it's like trying to look like cocky and everything else at the same time and like your facial expressions like there's just so much in the role so i had um i started training for that for a while but then covid happened obviously so then that was kind of put on hold for a year and a half two years before i could like start getting back training so like from when i started lead training it was probably like two and a half years before i actually did lead because of the big break yeah that's mad, isn't it? And do you think, I suppose what you said there was really, really kind of, I hadn't thought about that. Like that difference of being able to use your arms is one thing and then stepping into a lead role where you're actually a character and you're a main pinpoint of whether people are going to get the story or not in the way that you act. 
is quite a big difference, isn't it? So backline to the yeah. lead. What was sort of the best advice you had through that period? Or did you work on yourself in the mirror? How did you perfect that more? Yeah, like I don't know if there was one specific piece of advice. Um, Matt Smith and James Keegan worked with me a lot because obviously I was like young coming in as well. Like the other leads in the show were maybe like seven, eight years older than me. And I've been doing it for like, I don't know, nine, ten years. Um, So like they had worked a lot with like, and it would be things that you don't even think about that like the way you're standing. Like I think James said to me one time that like, pretty much the whole time they're watching you in the show like there could be like 20 people on stage but if you're standing at the back with a spotlight on you they're realistically looking at your face um so like trying to work on that was so important like doing more stuff and i think watching videos is um really good because like when you're watching i don't know why this is but i feel like when i'm watching myself in the mirror i can see when to adjust my hand and stuff but when you're out there without a mirror it's so much different so like you might think and feel like this movement looks like this but then when you see a video of it, you're like oh god like that doesn't look anything like that um yeah because it was only a couple of months in like we started taking videos of me doing stuff because there'd be times like I'd, they might tell me like bring your left arm up slightly here and i'd be like i feel like my left arm's like way above my head or something but then you would look at it and be like oh they're right enough um yeah so though like it wasn't it's a hard role to do and like to switch your mindset because like if you walk down the street, like if you see me walking down the street the way I'd walk on stage, you would, I don't know what you'd think of me, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's a big difference, but no, it was enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was an enjoyable experience. Like it was tough, like the schedule for like that sort of training. So um, I don't know if you've talked on here before about like the tour schedule, but like if you're doing a European tour, for example, and you're traveling it maybe every day or every second day, you might be in a bus, you might be getting up at eight o'clock and getting a bus for like five or six hours to wherever the next city is. And when I was doing that lead training, we'd probably turn up there and like get food or whatever. And then I'd be in training for like two or three hours with whoever the other leads are. And then we'd be going to get catering, doing a lineup for tonight's show and then going and doing tonight's show. So like it was a hectic enough schedule, it's hard in your body. Because um, when I say that training as well, that might be them just putting on the music and being like, right, do the run on solo. And like, things like that take it out of you I think that that's the main first solo in the show but it's also the hardest one like you're on stage for I think over three minutes or something like that and it's like a long real solo so yeah it was tough going but yeah enjoyable that's cool what would you say your advice for lads looking to join shows I know at the moment definitely this is a shortage because any anyone that I know that works in sort of hiring dancers is screaming out for lads so boys if you're listening and you are thinking of ever being in a show get some <laughs> Get some CVs made because there's opportunities everywhere. But what would your advice be like for for someone new, never done a show, never experienced one? What would like the main piece of advice specifically for lads be getting into shows? I think a big one and the main one I would say is getting the experience. As you say, like now is a really good time if you were going into show dancing because after COVID, there's so many shows going out and there is a real lack of boy dancers. Going into shows, like getting experience, should it be like through gigs? If you're still competing and like doing gigs and just like getting experience performing, like for people that are like either paying to watch you or like in just to enjoy you, like it's so much different. Dancing at a face, like you're obviously dancing your hands down by your side and everything else, but um, you can also perform. But then performing in like a pub or like performing for an audience in a theater is just a completely different experience. And the more experience you get of that, the better. Because like I think. One of the things that stood by me really well was I had done a few smaller shows first before joining Lord. So I, I don't know what you thought, like when you first went on like the Lord set or whatever, but there's sometimes new people come in and it like might be a day that it's really hectic and you have no time. And then you're like, what's a Marley line or what's a mark or the stage is massive. There's stairs in the middle of it. And like, they're like, right, go. And then you're still thinking about the steps, but they're expecting you to know the steps and like where to be and stuff. Whereas if you start with like a show that might be as hectic and get like experience of like using your arms and like what marks are on the stage and you know that you are where you need to be like knowing things like that are so important i think as well to like because dancers you're dancing so much and you're burning so many calories uh every every day or every week that like most dancers are really really thin and i think one of the main things i had to do when i joined lord is like i know this is for like the role of the good guy but also just in the show in general like to go to the gym and start lifting weights and start eating more um just to like fill out your body a bit you know and like um fill into yourself when you're 
um, make, making that transition from like competitive dancing into dancing shows. So yeah, like I think experience would be the main one. Yeah. And I, I agree. I did, um, Lord of the Dance was my first ever show and I did get that feeling of like, I have no idea what's going on here. They, they were trying to tell me to be on a number at the same time of me trying to put my hand up at the same time as me trying to remember the steps at the same time as me trying to remember to turn. And there's just so much think about it that if you've been an experience, at least the number part or knowing what a lineup even is, like most people listening to this are probably like, what's a lineup? It's, it's knowing and understanding those things um, without someone having to explain them that really does make a difference. Um, I did Magic of the Dance sort of like at the same time as Lord. So I did Lord October to December and then on, on Boxing Day, the 26th of December, I went straight to Magic. So I always had them next to each other. So even when I wasn't dancing in Lord of the Dance, I was always doing show dancing, so that helped me. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really, I think doing as much and having as much experience is definitely sort of the way to go. Yeah, I think um, sometimes when it's so hectic as well with Lord, that like we might be in on a day that we just don't have time to like line something up the same amount of time like that we normally would have. So everything's a rush. So they literally don't have time to like explain some things like that. Like if you're new and stuff, and like you do see sometimes like if a new person comes in and it is so hectic and you do feel like sorry for them to the extent that they're like, we've all been there. Do you know what I mean? That we're new to that. Like I remember, I as I say, I'd done shows before, but like, for example, in Lord, like you have to wear helmets, so like you can't see for most of the time. Um, and I remember doing a lineup. Me and Jared Bird and Sean Scally joined at the same time, and we um in lineup. Everyone's obviously in trainers. Um, so lineup is obviously just when like you line up the show or whatever. You run through the numbers of where you're meant to be, and we had the helmets and heavy shoes and gloves on, like practicing the bad guy numbers, like barely knowing like where we're meant to be. Never mind not seeing where we're meant to be. Um. So like it, it does be tough, but like having that background of already done shows and like understanding like numbers and Marley lines definitely helps. Yeah, definitely. Wow, I feel like we could chat forever about a hundred different things and there's a hundred questions on here that I haven't even got to, but I won't keep you for much longer. Got a few last little questions for you. So I always ask people this one, what is the best piece of advice you were ever given? Doesn't have to be like a dancer or to do with dancing, but just any piece of advice that you've been given that sticks out or that you stand by? Uh, I think like the main one is like very simple one um, that applies very well in dancing. It's just like believe in yourself. Um, I think we've talked about it already about like the disappointments and stuff in Irish dancing, but obviously like you come home the day of a fish or the day after a fish or like a, the words or whatever, and you're disappointed and you're angry and everything else. But I think is if you keep that belief in yourself the whole time that like, you know, that like you can do better than the results you got or like you can dance better or whatever reason you were upset. Um, Cause with the amount of disappointments, like it is very easy to get in, like let it put you down, you know what I mean? And like that can affect, like sometimes the majors might only be like a week or two weeks apart. So I think believing in yourself is so important when there's like disappointment or also then like not getting too high, like if you do really well or whatever, I'm thinking like, that's it and you can like take your foot off the gas now or whatever um because everyone's always working do you know what i mean everyone is working and if they're working harder than you it's just gonna be a matter of time that's it yeah believing in yourself yeah i like that and then finally i've kind of already asked you this question so we'll see if you've got a different answer or not but finally one piece of advice for dancers listening from like your wealth of knowledge now so from working your way to being a world champion and being on every position on the box from being a lead dancer in a few different shows and being a physio for the dancers that are listening now that are just looking to be their best self and to achieve their biggest goals and while believing in themselves um what's that what would that piece of advice be i think like following on from the believe in yourself point, um, like focus on yourself as well is so important. Like, especially nowadays, I think everyone's so obsessed with like social media and like what everyone else is doing. And it's so easy. Like if you might practice in the shed, for example, and then you'll go into Instagram and you'll see a video of like the world champion, maybe in your age group, for example, at the all Ireland's or whatever. And I'll be like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't do this, whatever it is. Um, and it can lead you down like a bad path of like always thinking that and like I see it like I don't even compete anymore but like sometimes like after the Ireland for example my Instagram is filled with like videos of people dancing um and that kind of goes towards shows as well do you know what I mean that like 
I think we're, we're kind of talking about shows there, but like when you join the show, like focusing on like getting yourself right is the main one and like keeping your head down and doing your own work because if you're working harder than most other people, like you'll eventually get where you need to go and you will achieve your goals. Um, so yeah, like not getting caught up in like what everyone else is doing um, and focus on yourself, yeah. Yeah, that's a wicked point to finish on. Like, remember everyone's journey is different. Where you are right now might be somebody else's first day, might be someone else's 10th year, like, and and you can't compare to other people and comparing to other people will never, ever make you the best answer that you can be. Um, you can use people as inspiration. You can use things as motivation, but there's a very fine line. And I think that's a really important one. And yeah, working out the things that you can do to make sure that you feel like you do believe in yourself is sort of like the the key message there. Any final points to add? No, just to add on to your point there. Um, it's a good one about everyone's journey is different because you say like you at the time like got second in that world and had like no idea you could even be there. And like, I was like going in hoping that I'd win it and then there might be other people that like thought they were going to win it and maybe finish like 20th that year but then one of the next year do you know what I mean so like everyone's journey is different so there's no point like seeing someone like another girl or another boy in your class that like won the world like when they were like lower than you last year or whatever do you know what I mean it's just different timings and stuff and I think everything happens for a reason as well dancing like sometimes you'll be like why or whatever happened um but yeah no it's important just keep going and yeah, I think that's it. Hey, well, thank you very much. I feel like we've touched on loads of different things there. There's a bit of something for everyone, which is what we like to do at Meg Talks. Um, but thank you very much for joining us and giving us your time there, Connor. Um, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Connor's going to be sorting out some more videos for us in the Gold Club. So some more injuries or niggles coming your yes. way, which is what we like to hear. Um, and yeah, how do dancers find your physio page if they want to look for it? What's your... Uh, it's Roger's Recovery on Instagram. You can just search that or it's on my own Instagram, Connor Rogers. You'll see it in the bio. Perfect. I'll add it into the show notes as well in here so people can find you if they're looking um, for any more advice or support or when you're at home, you offer sort of recovery stuff and stuff like that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I do physio sessions and recovery sessions. Fabulous. So thank you very much for joining Make sure that you guys um, subscribe, follow, share, and let us know what your best takeaway was from this episode. And we'll be back very soon with another special guest. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Meg Talks. Don't forget to share your favorite parts of the episode and tag us on Instagram at movewithmeg with two Gs. And as a special treat, head to movewithmeg.co.uk forward slash Fesh Day Warm Up to access your free video. See you next time.